1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, beginning in verse 18, we read, Paul writing, he says to the church in Corinth, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written in Isaiah, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Paul ponders. Where is the scribe? Those are, are uh, uh, questions that have obvious answers. Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Let me read that once again because you got to, I mean, there's a lot of funky words in there to, to kind of mess with your brain a little bit. But think about what this says. It says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom didn't know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message, the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks, they seek out after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, he's a stumbling block. And to the Greeks or to everybody else who is not a Jew, it's simply utter foolishness. But to those who are called, uh, both Jews and Greeks, both Jews and, and, and non-Jews, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see, you're calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that... As it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Father, we have before us a very interesting passage, a very important passage. And I know, Lord, that this is the last Sunday before Christmas coming up here on Thursday. I think it's Thursday. Uh, I pray, Lord, that as we look at this passage, uh, I know that even as we see out in the world today, uh, many in our own country is pushing away from even talking about Christmas, Christ Mass. To, to, to sit aside and, and rest in Christ, to think about Christ, to consider Christ. Our world and many of our stores that are pining for our dollars they remove the, the word Christ because they don't want to offend anyone. And, and that's their prerogative, Lord. That's, that's up to them. But it is a, a picture of the temperature that is in our country. Our country is removing you, Lord, from it because, Lord, there's no more room for you here. 
It's occupied by greed. It's occupied by wealth. It's occupied by stature. It's occupied by worldliness. It's occupied by the things that, and selfishness, the things that we want that are opposed to you. We don't want, our our world is looking at you and saying, we don't want you, God, to infringe upon what it is that we think is best for us. Because in the wisdom of this age, we think we've, we think we've got it covered. We think we know better now. We think we've got it covered. I think we've got it all figured out. And yet, Lord, the foolishness of the, or the, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to you. And so, God, help us not to get caught up in it. Help us not to buy and buy into the lie. Help us to buy into you. Help us to submit and completely surrender ourselves to you because, Lord, your wisdom has always been. This world... It was created and it will be done away with one day. And it is not all about us. The world does not revolve around our home, our person. Everywhere we go, it doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around you, Lord. It is for you completely and for your glory. So, Lord, I pray that you take this message today and you help us to to understand that there is a a difference. There is a contrast between your wisdom and world's wisdom. And help us to know as we walk out of this place and celebrate the rest of this season that we're in, help us to know the truth and not be swayed by what the populace might say, but help us to only be guided and directed by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You remember last week as we got into our message that it said there in in the beginning, uh, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That word foolishness in the Greek, remember what it was? It was moria, moria, M-O-R-I-A, M-O-R-I-A, which moria, which literally means folly, foolish, absurdity. It's where we get in our English term the word moron from. And so, you're a moron if you believe in the cross, the world might say. You're a moron if you believe in Jesus, in God, this wispy, you know, supernatural Santa Claus in the sky. And you probably believe in the Easter Bunny too. You've, you've heard it all. You know that... I'm not going to say that right now because I don't know how people feel about that. But here's the thing. Uh, you believe in all these things. <laughs> I'm quickly glancing around the room going, man, I'm going to get skewered by somebody. I don't know. Uh, I think, listen, they'll know the truth. They'll know the truth one day. I just don't want to be skewered before it. But you must believe in Santa Claus too. I, you guys are old enough. If you don't know it by now, hate to be the bearer of bad news. Oh, I'm sorry, Jono. <laughs> Here's the thing. The world looks at you and says, oh, you must believe in all those things. You know, God is just like them. No, he's not. Now, the enemy wants us to believe that God is something fictitious like those Easter Bunny and all those things. And, 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 
And the enemy wants us to do that. And the world has done a really good job buying into it. And your friends, many of your friends, many of your family members have bought into it. How many of you have family members that don't know the Lord? Yeah, how, how many of you have friends that don't know the Lord and think it's foolish to know the Lord? I, I, I have many of those. Uh, I don't even want to give him props by anything, any means of the imagination. But I got an old friend that went to Bible college with me. That I, I don't even know if the guy was ever saved. I, I really, really, really don't know. But this guy ended up going off and he bought into the world, man. He got swayed by the world. I've had a lot of my old Bible college buddies and, and, and friends that were ladies that, that were out there that, you've got to be careful on how you say that, all my girlfriends, no, I didn't have any girlfriends, but friends that were girls out there because um, I only have eyes for my wife and I've never had another girlfriend but my wife. I'm just joking. Now that was a lie, okay? Um, I've had more than one girlfriend but my wife is... I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> Now that was me taking over the pulpit. I'm just taking that back. All right, sorry, Lord. But I, I've had a lot of friends that I, I grew up with in Bible college that that have walked away from the Lord. Got one guy that is used to. I I, I was tough to to see that the guy was even ordained to be a pastor, but he was a pastor, and he's very irreverent in many many ways and a lot of the things that he would say and a lot of the things that he would do and what have you and, and I was shocked that he was a pastor uh, when they ordained him to be a pastor somebody ordained him I think way too quick well he got discouraged and he ended up getting pulled back away from where it was and next thing you know he's got this big blog out there called drunken ex-pastors you know and so he and it's a very very popular blog you know, and, and so he and he mocks Christianity. He mocks you. He mocks me. He mocks Christ. He mocks everything about Christ because Christ is just a figment of people's imaginations and things like that. And you're just going, man, that just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. This is a guy that had the opportunity to stand in a Muslim uh, 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 synagogue, and not a synagogue. What do you call it? A, a what? A mosque. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> Don't get those mixed up. <laughs> have a holy war inside this place right now, just in terms. But uh, uh, in a, in a, over in uh, in Germany, um, they invited him in to speak as a as a voice of Christians to speak to Muslims uh, in a mosque. Um, and here he is, you know, making his fame today as saying, "I'm a drunken ex-pastor, and I have a." I sit there with another pastor who is just as discouraged as I was and we mock you as Christians. And, and the thing is, is that you're foolish. You're a moron to many people out there. I'm a moron to many people out there. You gave your life up from an airline pilot to be a pastor. You're working outside the church. You could be an airline pilot. What a moron. What a moron. No way, man. What I've given up is absolutely nothing. I got a hot babe as my wife. There we go. I got a great son. And I've got great friends. I got great brothers and sisters that I never would have had. I never would have known you. I never would have known her if the Lord hadn't lead, led me down this road. And I'm, I'm blessed above blessings that God has given me the life that I have today. But here's the thing. To many... I'm a moron. To many, you're a moron because of what you believe. 
moronic. But what does it say? What does Isaiah prophesy? Here's God's word to you, to me, through the prophet Isaiah. I, God, will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. (laughs) You know, when we look at the world around us, and I, I started to talk about it last week, a friend of mine that went to school and became a marine biologist and went to school and went to all these years of school to become a marine biologist. And and one of his big first ventures as a marine biologist, he went out on a boat for, I think, six weeks or something like that and was out off of Hawaii, way, way away from the, the islands and out in the middle of nowhere for six weeks um, researching fish. And they found like three different new species of fish. One was called a tongue, a tongue fish. Uh, it, he said it just was the weirdest thing. It looked like a floating cow tongue in the water, and it was a fish. And that, they came up with a new species. They found a new species. Um, but he got back in, and I remember sitting in my car with him one day, and actually it was his car. It was a little VW Bug, and, and uh, sitting there at my work out at the airport in California, and he was crying. And he says, you know what? I've spent all these years to do this because this is what I thought I really wanted to do. But now I found that I don't want to do this at all. I hate the ocean. I don't want to do this ever again. And I'm going, wow. 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 Now the guy's an airline pilot. He, he, he says, look at you. You know what you're going to do. You're going to be an airline pilot. You know where you're going to go. I I've just started my life and I hate it. I said, well, why don't you become an airline pilot? You like to fly with me. Why don't you become an airline pilot? He goes, well, I can't do that. I said, why not? You got a degree. You got your mom and dad will help you out financially. And his mom and dad really helped him out financially. Bought him an airplane. (laughs) Slap, slap. That was me. I was slapping me. (laughs) No, bought him an airplane. He really started really building the hours up fast. And he's an airline pilot for Alaskan Air right now. I love him very much. He actually, back when I was in junior high and high school actually went to some Christian camps with me. Winter camps. There was a time where he professed Jesus, but now I don't think that he believes in Jesus whatsoever. In fact, he kind of has gotten mad at me talking to him about the Lord. One of the things that he shared with me one time, he says, you know what? The thing I love about science, Don, is that science is forever changing. Science is forever changing. That's the beauty of science. Can you not see it? I said, buddy, don't you understand that what you just said, you believe in something that is ever-changing? How can you ever be sure of anything? Oh, but we're sure. No, you're not. Science is not a science. It's not. It's Science is there to test things and find things true or false. But those things which are not testable... You can't prove it one way or the other. And so therefore, that's where many scientists believe that there's a problem between Christianity, faith, and science. And, and yet he, he was not, he wouldn't hear. I'm telling you that what you say, science is where it's out because the beauty of it is that it is ever changing. We're learning about it all the time. And so we're coming to the understanding more and more the truth all the time. I said, but do you understand that as a Christian, I already know the truth? I I have a God that never changes. His Bible says, I am the Lord God. I change not. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and even forever. Amen. He's never going to change. His word is the same back then as it is today, as it will be in 2,000 years. It's never going to change. Well, that's what I don't like about Christianity. That's what I don't like about the Bible is that it's so staunch in its views. Well, science is staunch in its views when you come to what you believe is the truth. When you come to that place where you believe that you understand the truth. Science back in the days of Jeremiah, some 2,500 years ago, uh, before Christ. Uh, somebody has uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 22. Why don't you read it out nice and loud to us? Yes. Do you know that scientists back in that day, they refuted the word of God. One of the things that they refuted with the word of God is that they said, well, see, the Bible is not true. Even, even to, even to um, five, six, seven hundred years ago, the scientists was refuting the word of God saying, well, here's the mistake. You see, the Bible says that it is, what was the word that you used? Uncounted, uh, what did you say? Countless. The stars are Countless. You see, back in that day, understand, the scientists, they look up in the sky and they said, There's, we've counted the stars. There's just over 1,100 stars in the sky. And scientists said, there's over, just, just over 1,100, I can't remember the exact number, but 1,100 and some odd stars in the sky. And that's how many stars are in the sky. You go, no way. Somebody might come along and go, no way. There's far more than 1,100 stars in the sky. We might look at that and go, what an idiot. For anybody believing that there was less than, or that there was more, or, or, or that there was only 1,100 stars in the sky. And yet, science in that day was saying, no, there's 1,100 stars in the sky. And if you came along and said, no, there's, no, there's countless stars in the sky, man. I'm telling you, we are just one galaxy of many galaxies. There's probably 1,100 galaxies. You have no idea how many stars are out there. It's countless. You'd be laughed to scorn by the science of the day because you're an idiot. We're the thinkers. We know what's true. We know what's best. We know through our science and through our education that we have counted and we have all agreed and if you come against our agreement... You are a fool. You're a moron. You moron. Hebrews 11.3. Who is that? That's Brett. Say it again. And science would say, in the day, many years ago, that's just silly because we see everything. We see everything. Nothing is made from nothing. 
We understand and see everything. And, and to him saying, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. They are made, do you see what verse 3 says? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that we see were not made of things which are visible. What is not visible is an atom. We can't see it by the naked eye. And yet it is actually what builds and frames the things that we see, isn't it? But a scientist would say, that's just silly. We see this. This is a material. It fashions into this material and so on and so on and so on. Science said everything can be seen. And we didn't even know that an, what an atom was at that time. There was a time when we didn't even understand what an atom was. And science would consider you a fool. And yet the word of God has forever been saying, no, the worlds were framed by the things, and the things which you see are actually consisting of and built up and made of things which are not even visible to your naked eye. That doesn't make sense. That just doesn't make sense. That's one of the reasons why I don't like the Bible, because it doesn't make sense. Well, it makes sense to us today. Because science, ever, the beauty of science is ever-changing. We continue to find out more and more about the physical universe that we have and all of a sudden what was false in the word of God has been what was once they thought was false in the word of God has been shown to be true. Okay, all right, well, we'll give you that one. Well, let's look at Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. I think Lauren had that. All right, so we're talking about the life is in the blood. And you said what? Say it one more time, real loud for us. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and anointment for your soul. For it is the blood that makes anointment for the soul. For the life is in the flesh, the life of the, the life is in the, in the flesh is in the blood. Okay, so the blood. Many years ago, and, and, and I, I don't need to even say this to a lot of you guys because you've gone back and you understand historically there was a time that actually the blood was what we thought was the contaminant with inside of us if we were ill. Doctors, the scientists of their day said, you've got an illness, we're going to cut you and bleed you to get the illness out. And so you'd go to a doctor and the doctor would open you up and bleed you out thinking that that is what's going to heal you because it's getting rid of the impurities in you. Today we look at it and go, okay, if you were to look at a doctor at that day and you're sick and the doctor says, well, we've got to cut you and we need to bleed you and you go, get, get that knife away from me. You're, that's silly. Don't do that. That's, that's so wrong. Don't do it. The, it, the, the blood is what is actually going in and the little antibodies in the, and, and the red blood cells are going in. They're trying to go in and attack the illness. But what you're doing is you're removing the thing that's actually going to heal me that God has made and ingenu, ingeniously created in the blood. It's the life is in the blood. The blood is what is gonna, God has created to heal you. It's the healing agent, not the thing that you want to get rid of. And a doctor would look at you and say, you're a moron. I'm a doctor. I'm a scientist. I've spent years in school to do this. And you're telling me that the Bible says that the life is in the blood. I say hogwash. 
Give me your arm. I'm going to bleed you. And they would bleed the blood out of you. They'd cut you and bleed you out. And people just did it because science said that's the way it was. Now we look back on it and go, oh, it never happened to me. That's not the way to go about it. That's, that's just silly. Leviticus chapter 15, verse 13. Who has that? So here's a guy that is infected. He has an illness. Once he's clean, he is to go and then wash his body in his clothes and everything in what? Running water. In running water. You know that scientists at, at a time in history said, give me a bucket of water. I've got a whole room of people that I've got to operate on. And how they operated on you, they'd wash their hands in the blood, bloody water, and operate on you, wash your hands just to get the grime off, to go right back into you, wash it off, get back in there. All right, next. And wash again and get in there. Now we look at that and we go, oh, that's disgusting. Well, science at that time said, water isn't doing anything. Water doesn't do anything. Cleansing, it's not a big deal. We just need to get in there and fix. Do you know how many people will die because of of contaminants and bacteria that's getting in because these people, these doctors, who were the thinkers of their day, who were the scientists of their day, they thought, well, we didn't have to, we didn't have to sanitize ourselves. We didn't need to, to sanitize ourselves whatsoever. Dr. Schweitzer was one of the dirtiest doctors ever to, 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 to live. Albert Schweitzer, we've heard his name. He believed that everything had a, 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 a reason to live, even bacteria. And so he had one of the dirtiest operation rooms ever. Where did I get that, Kevin? <laughs> Kevin knows I got that out of a message a long time ago. He had an organ. He had an organ. And it wasn't playing right. And he asked somebody to, to come and fix his organ because he liked to play the organ. And, and he, was, he, he wanted to play the organ. He had somebody come, yeah, can you fix this? Yeah, sure. And he opens up the back of the organ and all of a sudden thousands of cockroaches just fall out of this, this organ. The back of this organ starts scurrying around. And, and this scurrying around. And, and, and as is, they're running around, this guy that was sent to go and fix Dr. Schweitzer's organ, he's stepping on these killing and killing these cockroaches and Schweitzer goes, stop doing that. They're just doing what's natural to them. They have no reason to die. Leave them alone. If the organ is where they need to be, then the organ is where they shall be. He was a doctor. He operated on people. And he was what we consider one of the most brilliant minds. And we look at this and we go, the Bible says, wash under running water. Wash under running. Get the bacteria away. Get the bacteria away from you and let the new cleansing water continue to wash the bacteria away from your clothes, away from you. Wash in running water. Isaiah 40, uh, because of the invisibilities. It, it, and by the way, this is less than 100 years ago, gang. Less than 100 years ago that they wash their hands in these unchanged basins of water simply to rid their hands of the invisible disease and germs. They, they didn't even think about the invisible disease and germs just to rid their hands of the greasy, grimy stuff that they had on their hands. Isaiah 40, verse 22. Who has that? 
I know that we've all been taught this in school, and we know this, about Christopher Columbus. He sailed, you know, 1492 ocean, you know, Columbus sailed the ocean blues, you know. And, and what did Columbus do? He did what science told him you should not do. You're a moron for doing what you're about to do. You're going to fall off the face of the earth because everybody knows, us scientists know, the world is flat. It's flat. Columbus, you go back in history, you find out Columbus understood that the world was round based upon scripture saying that the world was a circle. It was circular. Columbus sailed the oceans because he looked at the word of God and the word of God said there was a circle on the earth, this circle on the earth. Now, here's the thing. Scientists would have, would have looked at you and me and they did Columbus and said, you're an idiot. Don't you know that the greatest thinkers of our day believe the world is flat and you're an idiot. You're a moron for doing what you're doing. You're going to fall off, you're going to float off, you're going to sail off the cliff of the earth. Job 38, verse 35. Speak up loud, Dana. Do you send the lightning bolt on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. There's another rendering of that that, that talks about the lightning bolt speaking. And, and that's kind of what... That, say it again real loud. Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? And do they report to you, here we are? All right. So God is speaking to Job. He's saying, Job, do you send the lightning bolt where they go? And do they report back to you, here we are? God is saying, light speaks. Light speaks in waves. Now... We would look at light, we would look at waves, we wouldn't even look at waves back, you know, five, six hundred years ago, four hundred years ago, three hundred years ago. We wouldn't understand the pattern of waves, of wavelengths. But if right now I were to say, there are thousands upon thousands of voices in this room right now, thousands of them, how many of you would believe that? There's thousands of voices in here. Do you know how we, would, how we would listen to those thousands of voices? We'd simply put an instrument in here, we'd pull up an antenna, we'd turn the thing on, and we would dial a frequency to capture a sound wave that is in here, and all of a sudden this box, which is just an electronic box, picking up the sound waves that are flashing right through this room right now, would pick up on this thing, and it would speak to us. Now, science, there was a day in science, they said, that, that would, no, you're, you're an idiot. You, that, it's, you can't see it. It's not true. It's not true. Science caught up with the Word of God. The lightning bolts do speak. And sometimes they speak real loud, don't they? Crack! Here's the thing. Light, light waves go through light. Sound goes through light. Fios, you know? Think of your Wi-Fi. There's thousands of voices that go through a light cable. A light cable. If you ever look on the back of your, of your uh, many of your, your uh, 
home stereo equipment. So you got the optical uh, uh, audio thing. What that is, is that it's a light beam that goes in there that all of these voices are passing through. Now, there was a time where science said, no, that's impossible. The Bible talks about it, speaking, light speaking, and science says, no way. Psalm 8, verse 8. Psalm 8, verse 8. Christine, talk loud. <laughs> the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Scientists said, okay, there's another fallacy in the Bible. There's no paths in the sea. There's just a body of water. There's no such thing as a path in a sea. How many of you guys have ever been on the East Coast and have gone in to past the, 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 the inland shore and hit the Gulf Stream out there. You know, there's a time where, you know, back when I lived in Fort Lauderdale, that as I looked out, uh, there was a big storm going on. My brother came down from Michigan. It was cold. We wanted to go fishing. And, and you look out in the water, and the water was choppy until you look way out there, and you could see these huge waves where the, the water currents of the water were hitting that that gulf stream and it was just and we ended up going on the boat anyways (laughs) there was like seven six of us that went on this boat that could you know hold probably a hundred and some odd people the captain of the boat said any of you guys want to go out today and we were all idiots and said uh sure you know he goes okay so we went out and we did some you know drift fishing and what have you with in front of that and then the captain said, uh, I know we're not going to catch a whole lot today, but you know, to get your money's worth, you guys all want to go out in those waves? And again, all of us idiots said, uh, sure. We went out in those waves. And this you know, hundred and some odd foot fishing vessel that we're on, we're out there and all of a sudden, Whoa! and all of a sudden you lose sight of land. And then, Whoa! and you're up on top of a mountain, you're going, Whoa! It was one of the wildest things that we have ever done. It was crazy. It was wild. You're looking at this boat that is huge to you, to the naked eye, and then you look at it next to the sea, and you are in one of the lanes of the sea, one of the rivers of the sea, one of the gulf streams of the sea, and you're in there, wash, wash, you know? And it's because waters are changing directions. There's a directional change in a water. There's a path in a sea that's going on. And you just have to watch Finding Nemo to know that there is an underwater (laughs) thing, right? Right? There's paths in the sea. There's rivers of water in the sea. Scientists would say, it's just a body of water. You're an idiot if you think that there is a body, that there's paths in the sea. There's no such thing. We've got to hurry. Psalm 19. The psalmist talks about how I'm moving back there real quick to it. Psalm 
that uh, that the earth, um, the rising, that, that the sun, you know, is, is rising uh, on one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, that there's a circuit that is, 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 is going around. Now, there was a time not too long ago that scientists believed that the sun rotated around the earth and that the earth was actually the center of all things, that everything rotated around the earth. But isn't that like us? <laughs> isn't that like us personally? The world revive, revolves around us. Everything around us is a satellite of us, you know, because it's all about me. Well, scientists believe that one day that, that the earth was the center of existence and that the sun actually revolved around the earth. Well, do you know that actually the earth revolves around the sun? We know that, right? We know that now. But there was a time where science said, this is again where the Bible just doesn't know what it's talking about. It doesn't mesh with science because we know as science, as scientists that the sun revolves around us, the earth. And you're a fool if you believe anything else. And then science caught up with the Word of God and the Word of God once again was proven true and science was proven lacking. The popular thought of that day was found lacking. Now, I could do this all day. I have a lot more verses that we could go through and we can talk about these things. But I think that I've made a point here to say this. Science has always come against the Word of God, but science has always come around to what the Word of God has said. The Word of God hasn't changed. Science changes. Science changes because science proves what the Word of God has always proven. There were many, many, many years that they thought, you know, this whole idea about Jesus and Pontius Pilate and all of this stuff, you know, it's just a figment of people's imagination. It's a story. It's just a story. It didn't really happen. It didn't really happen. We have no record that there ever was a Pontius Pilate. And then archaeology, you know, an archaeologist happened to dig up a thing saying, oh, the proconsul of this area was Pontius Pilate. All right, well, for many years, that was one of the disproving facts of the Word of God. The popular thought, the popular thinkers, the, the world looked at that and said, it's foolish to believe that these are real stories because we have no record that there was a Pontius Pilate. Well, here's this record shows there was a Pontius Pilate. Well, all right then. Well, now we're going to go on to something else to say that the Bible's not true. And here's the thing. You're going to continue to come up and continue to come up and continue to come up with things to try to disprove the Bible, and the Bible will always prove that it is the truth. Now, why am I really camping on this? Because the world calls you a fool. The world calls you a moron. When in all actuality... If you have followed the world and you're following the world right now, do you understand? If you don't want to believe in God, you don't want to believe in what the Word of God says, even though the Word of God has proven itself over and over and over and over again. If you're not willing to believe the Word of God and you're wanting to put your trust and your faith in the world and the wisdom of what everybody else believes, do you know that you're just as foolish as these people that thought that it was cool to bleed people out, to get the illness out, that believed that the world was flat? That's you. That's you. I mean, that is a wow factor right there. That's you. 
You go, no, no, not, not me. Because we all think this. I know, but just give it another 50 years and they're going to look back on you and laugh too. And yet you're putting your life in the hands of wisdom of this age. Because that's what everybody else thinks. You know what? I don't care what everybody else thinks. What does this say? What does this say? This has never been proven to be false. This always is proven. Oh, science says, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And time after time after time has science gone back. Well, all right then. Okay, so that, that's right. But this isn't right. Uh, well, okay, okay, well then that's right. And we found out that that, that was right later, years, years later. But now this is wrong. Well, at what point do we say, you know what, you're wrong. This is right, you're wrong. Why are we cowering to what the world says? Why do we worry that the world thinks that you're a moron when the world has been moronic all along? It's foolish to follow after the wisdom of this world. That's what Paul's trying to get to. Paul says, listen. Oh, I turned away from my passage. He says this. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness. It's moronic to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Who's going to stand up before God and say, I was, the wis- I was the wisdom of the age, and you have got to submit to the wisdom that I know? No, God's going to go, your wisdom is nothing. Your wisdom is foolish. Go back and look at, at, at Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, those who come before the Lord, God will laugh in derision at their foolishness. He will laugh at the wisdom, at their, at their wisdom, at the foolishness of their wisdom. <laughs> it says, where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made, the fool, made foolish the wisdom of this world? Here's the thing. You've got the heavyweight boxer called the world coming up against the heavyweight boxer of Jesus Christ, of God. The thing is, is that the heavyweight boxer of the world is is a gnat to you, to the Incredible Hulk. And, And even comparing God to Incredible Hulk is really embarrassing an analogy because God is so much greater than the Incredible Hulk. The comparison between a gnat and an Incredible Hulk is nothing. Could it possibly be that the gnat could actually take the Incredible Hulk? I, I guess there's a statistical possibility. Do you understand? There is no statistical possibility that man can ever overcome God. God will look at this and say, where, where, where's, the, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Have I not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom didn't know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The Jews, we request a sign. The Gentiles, you and I, well, we seek out after wisdom. But we, <laughs> we who are saved, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, he's going to be a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, it's foolishness. To those who are called, 
both Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see, guys, Christians, your calling that not many wise according to the flesh. Not many, did you hear what that said? Not many wise according to the flesh. There's a lot of people that consider the wit, you know, this, this world, they're very wise in this world. They're wise to the wisdom in this world. And we might look up to them and go, wow, that's a great thinker. Dawkins is a great thinker. You know? Uh, what's the guy in the wheelchair? Uh, Hawking. You know, he's a great thinker. Man, is that guy smart. Put him up next to God. He is one of the most biggest enigmas in my world. Here is a guy absolutely riddled with an illness. He has no strength, no power in and of himself, and he still disputes who God is. He still will not bow a knee to the Lord. He still will look at God and go, you're nothing, you are not real, you're not real, you're not real. As much as you want to say he's not real and try to twist people's mind to prove that God is not real, you're going to continue to be proven false. You're going to continue to be proven false. And you're going to die, not just in that wheelchair, but you're going to die for eternity because God, you rejected him. You rejected him. Because you would not allow your wisdom to come in line with the wisdom of what the Word of God says. Who is going to be the moron in that day? Who's going to be the foolish man in that day? Who's going to be the foolish woman in that day? Who's going to be the foolish person? I pray that in the hearing of my voice right now, you are not one of those in the camp of the wisdom of this world. Because the world is going to lead you to hell. That's exactly what the world's going to do. But God has sent men for 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years to you and to me to say, listen to God, He's real, these others aren't. And every time the Word of God is spoken, every time you see the Word of God written or, 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 or read, this is the truth, man. It's, it's, it isn't proved false. Oh, I'm going to go to my friends and I'm, we're going to find something false in this. Can I go in there and... And, and say your intent to go in and try to find something false in here, you're going to just do what everybody, all these other science minds, these great minds, these great minds that we would consider great upon the face of this earth right now have gone in and have failed to do. You're going to find it though. Here's the thing. God is not asking to be proven to be real. That's why God says it's in faith. It's in faith that we believe. Do I understand how God did it all? Absolutely not. It's like what Dana just read about Job. Job, are you the one that calls the lightning out of heaven and that reports back to me and said, here I am. (laughs) I did it, Lord. Crack! I don't know what that sounds like, but God does. He says, oh yeah, I talked to him. By the way, it says that God... And you look up into the sky and you see the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, uh, the stars up in the sky. And he says they're innumerable. They're innumerable. He talks about it in Genesis chapter 15, Psalm chapter 8. He says they're innumerable up there. But do you understand that in Psalm 147 verses 4 through 5, it says that God named each and every single one of those stars. I think that's pretty impressive to me. That's impressive. And I don't think that he's naming them A-75. I think they all have a personal name. And I think they all report to the Lord. Oh, how does, a, how does a star report to the Lord? I don't know. I don't understand it. 
I know that Jesus said that when he was coming off the Mount of Olives, entering triumphantly into the, the city of Jerusalem on the day before he was going to be crucified, or the week that he was going to be crucified, he's coming in, and all the people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, son of David, who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're laying down palm branches, and they're laying down things in his path to walk upon, giving him a king's entrance into the city of Jerusalem. And the, the, the religious Jews came to Jesus and says, Would you stop their mouths right now from saying the things that they're saying? And do you remember what Jesus' words were? He says, If I were to shut their mouths... Even the rocks would cry out. What would that sound like? If the people's voices would shut up, rocks would go, I can't hold back anymore. That's Christ. Did you just say something? That's a rock. Yes! I'm dumb as a rock. But you're acting like me. I even see that he's the Messiah. Here's the thing. What does a rock sound like? Jesus says even the rocks would cry out. I don't know, but I think it would be pretty impressive to hear. Here's the thing. Science has always been proven to catch up to the Word of God. It's never been the other way around. And so when you and I feel like, well, we need to be on the retreat because the world's really coming at us. Stop! Stop! We're on the winning side, guys! We're on God's side. We're, we, we believe in what the Word of God says, if you do believe in what the Word of God says. If you don't, well, then you're on that foolish side. Here's the thing, guys. Let me finish. You and I, we're, <laughs> we're at, at this place where we, we might be saying, you know, If you don't have a relationship, let me just finish it here. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, you're, you're, you know what? You're playing with fire. You're playing with hellfire. And I know, wow, this is kind of a really exciting and energetic and very celebratory message leading up to Christmas. <laughs> but you know what? It is. Because, it, again, it's another warning to say, listen, guys. It's an encouragement to those who believe and it's a warning to those of you who are hearing this right now and you don't believe. You're playing with fire, man. You're playing with hellfire if you don't, if you don't take the word of God at, at face value, if you don't take God's word at face value, if you don't understand. And by the way, you're the world's worst gambler. You're gambling with eternity. And why? Because you're more interested in what your friends are going to say. You're more interested in being accepted to the world even though the Word of God has proven over and over and over and over and over, and I could continue on for a long time, but we don't have that time, to be proven false and to show that the world that these people grew up in was silly, what they believed was silly, we look at it and go, well, I mean, have we really, are, are we that naive to go, I think we finally got it. I think I, I prayed about it here in the beginning, in, in, in the worship time. Hey, yeah, God, I think we got it. I think we finally have arrived to the fullness of the knowledge. You know what? We haven't arrived at anything if we have not arrived at God. Because the beauty of science, as my friend has told me, is it's ever-changing. And the ever-changingness of science always proves the Word of God to be true. The physical science of the earth, the Bible, 
and science will, will always come to the same conclusion. Science just needs to catch up to the Word of God. And it has over and over and over again. And it astounds me how science still continues to look at the Word of God and goes, well, that's, I don't believe in the Word of God because it says this. Wait a minute. It's been saying things all along and the Bible continues to prove science was wrong in its way of thinking. It only caught up to the Word of God. Who is the fool that continues to discount the Word of God? It's those who take this understanding and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to bank my life on my acceptance to my spouse or my acceptance to my, to my family or my acceptance to my friends or my job or, or just the people around me that I don't even really like all that much, but it's very important to me that they accept me as not being a knucklehead. And they think that Christians are knuckleheads. And so I don't want them to really know I'm a Christian. Because I, I don't want to, I, I just want to be, I want to be like them. What? Going to hell? With no future, with no eternity to look forward to? Is the draw of this world so important to you that you want to appease it than appease God? Are you more concerned with your family or your friends or what, and what they think? Are you willing to declare that you are all in your whole life, everything that you are? To the dealer, the pit boss, hoping that your marble will land on the color of your choice, thinking that, well, I think I've got it figured out. I'm going to guess this is the way to go. When in all actuality, the Word of God tells you the way to go. There's people that are, are gambling with their, with, their, with their life. The people who are gambling with their life are those of you who hear a message like this and you walk away and you say, hey, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm still not convinced. To me, that's one of the saddest things I can ever think. That somebody would, would look at the Word of God, see how science has to catch up to the Word of God, and then say, yeah, but you know what? My house, my car, my bike, my bank account, you know, my iPhone, my Xbox... All the presents that are under my tree, that's much more important to me than doing this because, you know, at least I won't be alone in hell. At least, at least I'm following the popular opinion and, and, and I'd rather be with everyone else than to be with the few because the few that I know, they're weird. Christians are weird. I don't want to be like Dawn. <laughs> I don't blame you. But... but I, I, I could wish that you could know the Jesus that I know. At everything that belongs to you, everything that you are, everything that you ever aspire to be. And fictitiously, kind of in your mind, put it on a square and call that black and say, I'm betting on black. Roll the marble. I'm betting that this here isn't true. And I've loaded up all my chips, everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that I aspire to be, and I'm putting it all on black. Roll that pit boss. Roll that dealer. And as that marble goes one way and the roulette wheel goes the other way, you're sitting there going, okay, 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 okay. Now understand this. You go to a casino. I just I used to have to go to casinos all the time back when I flew. Here's the thing. A casino never loses. You know, well, casinos lose. Have you ever gone to the Las Vegas Strip? 
They don't build those big hotels because they lose. They know that people like you and me will go in there and thinking, hey, I think I got it all figured out. I got it. I'm going to beat the casino this time. And they go, okay. If they lose one big round to you, it doesn't matter because they know you'll be back. You'll eventually lose it all. How many successful gamblers do you know? I know a lot that aren't. Here's the thing. I know that if you're gambling with everything that you are and you've placed yourself on black and you're rolling that wheel, well, I'm not really thinking of that way. I'm just kind of doing what everybody else is in the world. Well, no, you're putting your bet on black. You're putting your bet on the world being right and not God. That's your prerogative. That's what God has given you. That's one of the greatest gifts God's given you. He's given you the ability to make your own decision. But you will live and die by that decision. I was going to read a long passage today, but I'll leave that as your homework. I want you to go home and I want you to read. Starting in Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 32, I want you to read all the way through the rest of the chapter and all of chapter 24. You know what that's going to do? That's going to tell you Jesus talking to you, talking to me, talking to anyone who would listen, saying, hey, you know what? Here's coming a day that the kingdom of heaven is going to come. And it's going to come in an hour that nobody knows. You better be watching and you better be ready because when it comes, there's not going to be a second chance. And then he lays out. He goes, just know that in the days as it was in the day of Noah, so will it be in the day that the Son of Man returns. This morning at 6.45 and 22 seconds this morning on December 20th, 2015, there were 7,293,382,687 people. And in one minute later, there were 7,293,383,031 people upon the face of the earth. That's another, that's an increase of 344 people in one exact minute. Do you know that most theologians believe that in the day of Noah, there were about 7 billion people upon the face of the earth? You go, no, come on, really? There's no way. We have to have many more people upon the face of the earth. There's no way. They only had just a short time to get that much. Do you remember? They didn't die like we die. They didn't die at 60, 70, 80 years old. They died at like 900. And they didn't have babies like we have babies. I have one kid. I'd be a laughing stock in the city if I only had one kid. Now, if you have 12, ah, you're getting there. And so you have all these kids, and then those kids have kids, and then those kids have kids and kids and kids. And next thing you know, when Thanksgiving or Christmas comes around, and you go, hey, we're having a family get-together, you better just reserve a town. Because you're going to have this huge, 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 hey, yeah, this is my friend, uh, this is my cousin from, yeah, well, no, this is my, this is my great, 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 great grandson. Right here, right here. Oh, how you doing, son? And, and here, how old are you, Grandma? 922. You know, I never thought I'd live to see this day. You know, and and and, and you know all these people that have just lived for you know, they live for a long time, and they die, eventually. But their big thing was propagate. Man, they were rabbits back in the day. Man, there was a lot of kids that were being popped out. And here's the thing: most theologians believe there was over seven billion people upon the face of the earth. And I look at Jesus' words and I go, Wait a minute! As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days. When the Son of Man returns, we've just caught back up to the population of the earth of what it was in the days of Noah. 
We just have caught up to that time. Not to mention so many other things that are going on in the world right now that totally point to, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's here, it's here, it's here. The bridegroom's coming, man. Are you ready? Because Jesus says when the bridegroom comes and you're not ready and you're out, like the, 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 the virgins, there's ten virgins, five of them come with no oil. The other five came and said, hey, we're going to be prepared. We don't know when the bridegroom's going to come, so we're going to bring extra oil. All of a sudden, ding, 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 bridegroom's coming, bridegroom's coming. And the five that were unwise said, oh man, our lamps are going to go out. Hey, can we borrow some of your, your oil? And the, the five wise bridegrooms said, no, we bought ours because we knew that we would had enough. Only... For this thing and, and for this ceremony. And so if we give you ours, ours are going to run out too. No, no. You need, we only have enough for us. You need to go and find your own. And so the five run away and they go and find and buy some. By the time they get back, the ceremony's already happened and they're knocking on the door going, hey, we're supposed to be in there. And the, the bridegroom comes to the door and says, depart from me. I don't know who you guys are. Oh, but I was ready. I, I, I kind of believed. I kind of wanted to believe. But, but when I see it happen, then I'll believe. No, it's going to be too late. You're not going to have the time. You're not going to have the time. If you're banking on, well, if all of these things fall into place, then I'll believe. You're never going to believe. You're just never going to believe. You continue to put standard, you put parameters upon what your faith is going to be and how it is that you're going to come to God on your terms instead of coming to God on God's terms. And can I tell you, you are a gambler and you're a bad one at that. And it's going to end up costing you your life. And you're going to be like the man in Luke chapter, I think it's 16, that says, Would someone please? Send somebody back to my brothers and sisters and tell them they don't want to come where I am. Because my soul is in torments. And for those of you who believe that when you die apart from Christ, that you just cease to exist, you really, really, really need to read that passage that I just gave to you because it talks about how they will be tormented day and night forever. Revelation chapter 20 says the same thing. God's going to cast the devil and his angels into the everlasting fire. And there they will be, the lake of fire, and they'll be tormented day and night. For I'm going to finish with it. This is a great way to finish. Well, it's not really a great way to finish, but it's a way to finish. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the day devil who deceived them if you're here and you don't believe in God right now, you are being deceived by the enemy. You know why? He wants a little company with him. And if I'm going to have to go there, I'm taking you with me. He is the lowest scum you ever will ever, ever, ever meet. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and sulfur or brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they listen and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever that doesn't sound anything like they're going to just cease to exist it's just going to be all over with and then i saw a great white throne and him who sat on it god whose face the earth and the heaven fled away because there was no there was no place found for them any longer and then I saw, John says, the dead and the small, 
the dead, the small and the great, standing before God. And then the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Now, before I go on, here's the thing. When, the, when your works are being, what this is saying here right now is that do you have the right works in order to be entered into heaven? Do you have the, the proper works in order to enter into heaven? Know this. Everyone who comes before this and God is revealing this to them, these are your works. Are they good enough to get into heaven? Everyone will be severely lacking because there's not one of these people coming before the great white throne judgment that have a belief in God through Jesus Christ's son. They never accepted the gift of, of Jesus. And so they now have to answer for their own sin. They have to answer for their own failures. They have to answer for their own inadequacies in life. So here you are, standing before a holy God, and God is going to bring out, he's going to write out, he's going to spell out everything that you have against you, and he's going to say, what's your defense? Well, I just, I, I didn't know. I just did what the rest of the world did. Depart from me, I never knew you. You need a better answer than that. Um, well, I was just, I just, it was ignorant. No, you were at church on December 20th, 2015, Pastor Don, he spelled it out to you, and you chose to go a different way. Depart from me, I never knew you. Uh, it's not my fault. No, it is your fault. You had all of sin, fallen short of the glory of God. You rejected the gift that I gave to you. Depart from me. I don't think God's going to be arrogant in that time, but he's going to be just very frank, very frank. He's going to say, you know what? You lived according to your life, the way you thought you wanted to live. Here's the thing. This is your reward. This is your reward. It's not my fault. Everybody believed. Well, then everybody's going that way too. Everybody you believed in, they're going that way too. But you can't do this to all of us. No, I, I didn't want to. I, it was not my will that any would perish. Do you remember Pastor Don said that from the word of God? I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you know it? It doesn't give me pleasure. The, my word said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but you're wicked. I cannot bear your wickedness in heaven. That's not right. It wouldn't be right for everyone else. I can't bear to have sin in heaven and you have to bear your own sin because the only way for you to get into heaven is to take the, the offering, the sacrifice that I gave you, the gift that I gave to you. That was the only thing that was going to get you into heaven. And here's the thing. You rejected it because everybody else rejected it. And all those everybody else are there in the lake of fire also. So to depart me, depart from me, I never knew you. But, but, there are no more buts. There are no second chances. There are no more opportunities. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and their dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. In the sea, they gave up their dead who were in it. Death and Hades, they delivered up the dead. That's where the rich man comes back up and stands before uh, God. He del they delivered up their dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Your works are not good enough to get you into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. It'll never happen. Only through the death of Jesus Christ. And verse 14 says, And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If you think dying is a bad thing, dying the first time is a bad thing. It's been said, if you're a non-believer, you die, you live once and die twice. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you die once and live twice. I live today and I'm going to die, but there's coming a day where I'm going to live again, man. But for you who don't have Christ... You're going to have to go through this twice, but the second one is going to be far more horrendous than the first. 
It says this, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is right here. And if you're not a believer here, this is your verse. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Does it sound like there's a hope for you? There is no hope. There's a hope. Today, if you're hearing this, you can accept Christ. I know it's a heavy message, but here's the thing, gang. I'm doing everything I can do to get you to heaven. I can't make the decision for you. That's why I make an impassioned plea to you on a Sunday, every Sunday. I know that you might listen to what I'm saying. Hi, ah, he's getting all passionate again. Do you understand my, where my passion comes from? I don't want to see you in hell. But far more than that, God doesn't want to see you in hell. And I'm just trying to make this pulpit, God proud of this pulpit. I want you to hear what God wants to say to you. There is not going to be escape for you if you follow the wisdom of this age. Because the wisdom of this age is going to be foolishness when it stands before God. And I don't care what science says, and I don't care what the wisest minds in this world say, you know what, if, it con- if it's contrary to the word of God, you need to flee from it. Because you know what, those are going to be the same people that hear those same words out of Christ, out of God. Depart from me, I never knew you. Are you willing to put all in, on black, to follow them to hell? And if you think you're going to party in hell, there are no kegs in hell and there are no wild women in heaven in hell. There's no big parties going on in hell. There aren't, it's not going to be cool in hell. You think it's hot in Florida? No. Think about a lake of fire. I, God states such horrendous means of what hell will be like to show you and I that that is not a place that you want to aspire to be. You just need to stay away from that place. And you will not die. It will go on and on and on and on. And you can sit there and go, well, that just doesn't sound fair of God. I don't want to believe in a God like that. Well, here's the thing. Too bad. You're going to stand before that God. Those are his rules. You are his subject. You have no say in that part. You can take it up with him on that day and he'll hear it from everybody. That's just not fair. You're not being just. You're not. No, 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 no. Everyone who comes before God's going to go, you know what? Holy and true are your judgments. That's what the Bible says. Everyone who will say, holy and true are your judgments, O God. So his judgments are going to be holy and they're going to be true. And not everybody's going to be able to argue back with him on what his judgments are. Because you know what? I think we're really going to see at that time. Yep, I deserve it. You know what? Just because I'm a Christian, I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell just like anybody else. The only reason I'm going to heaven is because I have accepted the gift that God gave to me in Jesus Christ. And that's the greatest gift that this Christmas season can ever, you can ever realize. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for today. And I know it's been heavy. And it's been, it, it, we've gone through a lot here today. But I pray, God, if there'd be any one person in this room that doesn't have a relationship with right now, at this moment, they don't wait another minute. We're not guaranteed the next minute outside. I'm not trying to scare anybody into heaven, and I know I've probably done a pretty good job of that today. I don't mean to. I'm just reading your word. This is what your word says. And I believe we're, we're pressing the end days. I think we're right now living in these very last moments. All signs point to this being the last time. And so, Lord, I, I make my plea to you. I make my plea to the hearers. If there's anyone that doesn't have a relationship with you, I'm talking to you, man. If that's you, you have a relationship with Christ. Right now, open your heart to him. He wants to save you. doesn't mean that you're not a sinner. It just means that God's going to take your sin. He's going to wipe it away. It doesn't mean that you continue to live in your sin. 
Bible says that you're to repent of your sin. Repentance means turn away from it. And turn away means completely and totally turn the opposite direction. Don't continue to walk in sin. doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. You'll sin again. But you have somebody you can run back to and ask for forgiveness. And ask for strength to, to keep your foot off the wayward paths. You can live for him from this day forward. Because you know what? That really is the currency of heaven. That really is, is what's going to really, really, really matter. for eternity and so Lord I pray if there's anyone in this room right now that doesn't have a relationship with you right now that they open their heart to you and say you know what this Christmas season Lord I'm going to accept that gift I'm going to accept your gift of eternal life right now yeah I've kind of been shaken up here a little bit today just seeing that life what I see I hate to say it but maybe I am being duped just like the generations that have come on before me, they, they were duped according to science in their days. How many people has science sent to hell? How many people have the wise of their age sent to hell because everybody believed what the wise said? When in all actuality, when it all came down to it, Lord, they weren't wise at all. They were actually foolish. I look back on it now and I laugh at some of the things that they believed in. Am I so foolish, Lord, to not think that in another 50, 60, 70 years they're not going to be laughing back at what we all believe right now? I don't want to do that anymore. I, don't, I want to get off that hamster wheel. I want to get off that, that merry-go-round of the world. I want, to, I want to know what is real and I want to know what's true. And I want to sink my teeth into something of reality and that's you. And so right now, Lord, I give you my life, my heart, my soul. I'm a sinner. Lord, you know that. I know that. I confess it. I repent of it. I repent of my sin. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as an infant that that was born in a lowly place. The world had no place for him then and for sure it doesn't have a place for him now. But you, as that baby, you grew up among people and you showed them the way. And then you died on a cross and did something that nobody else could ever do. You died on a cross for them, but you also died on a cross for me. And anyone who would believe in you. And today, I, I believe that not only did you die, but you rose again for me. And when the book of life is open and my works are laid out before me, there will be no reason for me to give an answer for my deeds because my deeds will be washed and forgiven because you, Jesus, took the penalty for my sin. You paid my price. You paid my, my entrance to heaven. I can't boast in anything but you. It was your life. It was, your, it was a cost to you and so, Lord, I repent of my sin and I come before you and I accept you into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I want to walk with you from this day forward. I want this Christmas to be the real first Christmas that I actually am your child and I really understand what Christmas is all about. And God, help me to show other people that time is short and that they can know what I know now. They can know you. They can know what has always been real. 
that is never going to change ever, ever, ever. And so, Lord, I lift my life to you and I thank you for hearing prayer and now take me from this place, not just new in you, but help me to go out of here and tell others about what you've done in my life today. Thank you for hearing my prayer and thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you, God, for loving me that much. Just show me. I know it's a long day today and I know that Pastor Don has talked a long time today. But what I do know is that the words have meant a lot to me right now and I give my life to you. And I want to go to heaven one day. And I will now because I know what you have done for me. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of eternal life. I believe in you. I receive you. I accept you. And I repent of me. In Jesus' name, amen.